Hello there, everybody, and welcome along to episode 110 of the Hunger for the Hustle podcast, the show where we like to dive deep into the journey of entrepreneurs, business owners, and creatives to uncover their journey of how they got started in what they do and what really drives their hunger for the hustle. And my guest today is no stranger to that hunger for the hustle. I have illustrator and esteemed artist Jason Brooks on the show. Jason, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much, Jake. Um, yeah, it's a pleasure to talk to you today. So uh, thanks for inviting me on. My pleasure. And I'll give uh, Jason a bit of an introduction just in case you guys haven't heard of him, and you really should have, um, I think. <laughs> Jason Brooks is an award-winning fashion and lifestyle illustrator with a vast, enthralling body of work across a range of industry sectors, from major advertising campaigns to gallery exhibitions, live events, magazine illustrations for the likes of The Face, Vogue, Ellie, and The World of Interiors, to name but a few. Jason also illustrated glossy club flyers, club flyers for the cult London club Pushka and a long-running series of CD covers for the Head Candy music brand, selling in excess of six million albums, which is actually where I first became aware of Jason's work, and we'll get onto that a little bit later. Jason started his artistic journey at a young age where he would draw and paint avidly, and being particularly inspired by a trip to Florence at the age of six by his and by his early teens, he had received his first freelance commission. I found that amazing. I can't wait to talk more about that. Mm -hmm. It was no surprise to me to learn that both of Jason's parents are artists and encouraged his growing obsession with drawing and making pictures. Um, we'll talk about that again a bit later. Jason then went on to study and achieve degrees at both St. Martin's College and the Royal College of Art in London and drew inspiration for his work, not only from his time living in London, but also traveling, traveling wildly and filling sketchbooks as he went from Mexico, to Central America to all over Europe and beyond. Jason is particularly noted as being among the first fashion illustrators to embrace and pioneer computer technology in his field. The glamorous and aspirational world he presents in his work is a combination of life experience and imagination, and he has provided a means of communication for a wide range of luxury and lifestyle brands. With what I like to call the digital renaissance happening before our eyes in the world of the Web 3.0, cryptocurrency and non-fungible tokens, otherwise known as NFTs, we are only days away, very excitingly, from Jason's first NFT collection, the Red Collection which I personally can't wait to see released. And it is with great pleasure and honour that I welcome Jason Brooks to the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. Thank you very much, Jake, for, for the great introduction and um, very sort of accurate research there. So I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I, it's, always, it's always nice to know and that, um, you know, you pick bits from the internet and obviously me and you have been back and forth on things for a while, but it's always good to get a tick of, assurance that the the research is indeed accurate and you know i talked about there a little bit at the start of your kind of journey into art and it was at a very yeah. young age that you you started to draw and and um i guess scribble and and just put things together and then you're That's in right I mean, both of your parents were, were heavily kind of encouraging you in that i guess because they were artists as well and, and it's it's nice to keep the legacy going on but Tell us a bit more about that and that trip to Florence, uh, how much of it you can remember, yes. I suppose, at the age of six. 
Well, I, I think I was um, really one of those um, children who would kind of disappear off to my room for quite long <clears throat> amounts of time <clears throat> and um, draw and create artwork and escape into the world of my imagination that way. Mm. So although my parents um, were both artists, um, my mum still, still, you know, fantastic, uh, fantastic at drawing and painting and is very creative. Um, so they, I mean, art materials were around in the house and paper was available and um, pens and that sort of thing. But I think it was really just my own motivation that led me to to, to start drawing and love drawing. Um, but it was just having access to all of those materials. And I suppose seeing what they did and how they lived their lives, which... Um, which was always inspiring. But um, I think perhaps these sorts of things are quite innate in children. And um, mm. they we pick up all sorts of talents and things when we're young, which um, who knows where they really come from, but they, they become useful in later life. Um, That's true. Yeah. 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 So going on to the trip to Italy, um, we I didn't sort of travel that often as a child. We did, but the, the trips which I did make were incredibly sort of um, formative for me. So my grandmother lived in Berlin. So we would often, um, you know, well, I say often, you know, every few years we'd pay her a visit there, which was incredibly exciting visiting Berlin at that time. Um, mm. And also we did make <clears throat> a particular trip to Italy when I was about six, uh, as you mentioned, to where I saw uh, the Uffizi Gallery and Renaissance art, and it, and it really kind of blew my mind. Um, it, it was an incredible experience. And um, I think that definitely set me on my, on my course in a way to become, to become an artist. Mm. Well, you say you only went on a few trips there, um, but you certainly made up for it then, didn't you, when you got to college stage? You know, you travelled to Kenya, Mexico, Central America, all over Europe. And um, that's what, right. What drove you to, to, I mean, a travel is something I love to do as well. It's something we've all not been doing so yes. much of lately. Yeah. I think a lot of us are getting back to it. But what kind of inspired you to travel so much at that um, young age? I think it was sort of partly that sort of teenage desire to escape mm -hmm. um, and, yeah. and, you know, kind of <laughs> see the world and um, have that, that sort of independence and fly the nest and that kind of thing, which was my initial impulse. So, I think my first trip was possibly, I went off to the south of France um, when I was about 16 or 17, completely on my own. But I, I met friends who I knew were going to be there ahead of me. So right. that, was, that was really exciting. I had a kind of a long train journey to, down to Saint-Tropez. And um, actually during the day, I would kind of take off on my own and go along the coast and see Nice and Cannes and all these sort of glamorous places as a, as a young teenager. So that, mm. that was my, one of my first trips. And that set the pattern for always taking sketchbooks with me as well. So I would be sort of, you know, avidly drawing, drawing my friends and drawing the architecture and the scenery. And um, so that, that was a very, again, a very important experience. And um, it became really a pattern throughout college. I would save up and go traveling during the holidays and um, go with my girlfriend at the time um, all over, you know, Turkey, Italy, 
wherever we chose to go, we Mexico, Guatemala. And um, it's something I still really love. And it's a very sort of crucial part of my working practice as well to, to see other countries and experience different cultures. Uh, and it, <clears throat> and I, I think I think you know I think knowing your work and ha- having a love for your work and seeing it, it's quite it oozes that kind of cheapness to it, that kind of glamorousness to it. And I think based on what you said there and the, and the beautiful story you created in my mind, and hopefully for all of our listeners, because you know when when you hear a good story, it really paints that picture uh-huh. in your mind. Yes, and, uh, the picture of you disappearing off on your own with your sketchbook to these glamorous places, and perhaps just sitting there alone and sketching what you saw in front of you. And, and, you know, there quite, are quite glamorous places, especially for um, someone in their young, middle, even late teens to go to. And I think they kind of really have an impact on, on, on your plethora of work later. You know, it's, it's, it is, it's always a quite more glamorous side of things and the um, quite chic style. Yes, um, definitely. Of art. Mm. It's really yeah, interesting yeah. how some things are taught and some things are caught, aren't they? And I think the... That's right. The, the experiences and the environments that we're in in our younger life really have a, a quite quite substantial impact on us later in life. And and if you are uh, as you are, you know, creating art throughout your life, it actually those experiences and those environments actually ooze out into your work. It's a really interesting. Yes, thing to definitely, do. Jake. I, it's quite mm. a sort of mysterious process, isn't it? How much is um, mm. how much is nature and how much is nurture? Um, yeah. yeah, my my grandmother that I mentioned was actually a dancer in Berlin, so she was a very sort of glamorous, glamorous woman who also made um, dresses for cabaret dancers and that kind of thing, as well as being a dancer herself. So she had a very sort of glamorous life um, in Berlin in the in the sixties, and um, I think that that was also a sort of an influence on me as well, and. Um, my mum was very stylish and was still is very stylish, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, but it wasn't really till later on in London when the sort of 90s fashion um, explosion, if you like, happened. And there was a mm. huge interest in London and the cultural scene happening in Britain at the time. Uh, this is from sort of the early 90s all the way through really you know with Britpop and all of that kind of thing and I um, was I felt really in the very much in the center of things that were happening at that time I was living in uh, Ladbroke Grove just off Portobello Road um, and I'd see lots of you know models and actresses and pop stars in the news agent and all that kind of thing so mm. it sort of for a while it felt a bit like the center of the of the universe which um it was was an incredibly exciting time and i think mm. that sort of 90s aesthetic was really really important for my later artwork and my artwork that i was producing you know uh, you mentioned um, flyers for pushka and that sort of thing so i think mm. in terms of life experience probably the 90s were in a way the most sort of formative time for me yeah absolutely it's- and you say you kind of felt like the centre of the universe to, to many degrees in the 90s, particularly with things like pop music. It, it really was. In, yes. And a lot of the regard, and as you know, of course, the, the fashion of the time, a lot of it was coming out of the, as, as well as, of course, places like New York and, and throughout totally. um, Europe. But a lot of it was coming out of London. Um, 
And I, I've actually yeah. never managed to get my hands on one because they're always sold out. But your, you know, your sketchbooks of London, I, I'm sure, were inspired a lot by that kind of time of the 90s and um, yes, and, and a lot of your later works. And it's interesting because fashion always has cycles, doesn't it? And you see a lot of the fashion of the 90s has kind of come back around in the past few years. Um, sometimes they get it right, yeah, sometimes right. They, they don't yes. quite hit the mark. <laughs> but mm, it uh, yeah. always seems to cycle back. And then what's, of course, you know, how I came to know and, and love your work and then and get deeper into it and, and start collecting pieces and i've got various pieces here in the uk as i have as, oh, as well great. in melbourne yeah. where i where i live for my time and it was the you know the kind of head candy brand that you were commissioned by by mark door the, the owner of the brand at head candy that's and, right and, and that went on to sell i can imagine that got you quite a lot of exposure because you know it, it, it really a, did yeah that's yeah. right yeah it's a worldwide yeah. brand that sold a lot of, you know, millions of records. Um, Absolutely. So, and and it, was, it was that very... You're very successful. Yeah, and it was a very, very unique look, wasn't it? That kind of, um, um, you know, the kind of glamorous girl either on the beach or the DJ. It was, it was kind of, it was very, very empowering as well, I thought. I thought those women always looked very empowered. They always looked like they were owning whatever space they were presented in. Um, and that was you know, that kind of carries over into actually a Absolutely. lot of your work that I see. Yeah, that, that's very, very true. Um, <clears throat> I think it's a sort of reflection of that particular time when um, perhaps the the balance of power was shifting in a way more towards the, the feminine and the female and um, traditional roles were beginning to really change, I think, in the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, so that was definitely something I wanted to sort of reflect in my work and something I, I found really interesting and really kind of inspiring. Um, mm. and, and also I suppose it coincided with the rise of digital technology and being able to sort of create artwork in a medium really that people hadn't particularly seen before, um, mm. <clears throat> which was really, um, it was sort of fortunate timing, I suppose that, um, this new medium of Photoshop really was um, revolutionary in many ways um, mm. in terms of what I was doing. And I had a sort of vision of something I wanted to create and I could see how combining the type of traditional drawing I'd been doing with this new technology could create a completely new style really. Um, mm. And luckily I managed to find the right sort of vehicle to to display that style through head candy and we had uh posters all over the tube uh, each month and um new cd covers coming out and tv advertising and so it was a it, it really um i think it did have a have a quite an interesting cultural impact at that time and i, and I really do think it did yeah yeah i really do think it did and it's it comes down to that that, that comment that people make a lot is it is it that life imitates art or, or art imitates life? It's a, and it's, that became a really interesting thing playing out, particularly for that kind of club brand and the parties, because then I feel that a lot of the people, the girls that went to that parties were inspired by the kind of look of the brand and the fashion of the time. That's um, right. But then, of yeah. course, you could say in reverse, it worked in the same way. But we touched on digital art there, and that's really, you know, the essence of why we're here today and, you are, you know, mm -hmm. for once or better, you've really embraced, um, you know, combining your own illustrations with the digital art. But in, quite, quite before, you know, many others were. 
Um, mm. And and you you know still doing that today. But what really what can you remember the first kind of digital piece you created and and, and I how can, it came to be? Yeah. Um, well, it's it sort of my first um, experiments with digital art really were when my family got you know brought a bought a computer into our house, um, which would have been I suppose perhaps about nineteen eighties. 6 87 85 around that sort of time um mm -hmm. and it was i think it was called uh it was i think it was an archimedes possibly um, or um, an acorn or something i'm not exactly sure um but i quite quickly realized that this new machine could actually make pictures if and there was a sort of primitive drawing function um so I think one of the first things I drew was a sort of a, it looked a little bit like um, a, a shop mannequin, but with a sort of silver effect. I found there was a way of inverting the black and white picture to, and it created this look as if it was made of silver, which was really interesting. So, and I, and it had a, this machine had a printer with it. So I think perhaps one of my first kind of exciting pictures that I remember was this sort of, silver shop mannequin type uh head and shoulders of, of a woman um, um yeah were you using a mouse to to draw that style yeah i i i i feel like i was but it's it's actually quite difficult to remember i think i must have been using mm. some kind of mouse with a little wheel underneath um well look i don't blame yeah, you it was over yeah. 30 years ago no <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah it wouldn't have been a, a pen or a you know nah. a tablet at that stage so yeah, um, because I mean, and, I mean yeah. everyone, everyone that's listening might not be aware, and I'm only aware because I've seen people create art digitally. It's often done now, and it has been done, of course, for a while, with a pad and a pen that you have connected to the computer that then, of course, shows up whatever you're doing on the screen. Or I know some people even have um, an actual draw on the screen function, a kind of a touchscreen function, but with a pen. That's right, yeah. What kind of methods do you use today? So, yes, I mean, I use a, a Wacom tablet, so it's a sort of it's a, just a little bit bigger than an A4 rectangle, like a black rectangle with um, a pen. Um, and I'm just really used to that that method. I For many, many years, and for a lot of the uh, head candy covers, I was actually drawing using a mouse, which was quite really? um, quite strange. Yeah, but that's sort of what I got used to. But then when tablets arrived, that was you know that was a superior kind of way of working um yeah a lot a lot I've more dexterity with that yes that's right and i've uh, i've sort of stayed with that technique ever since um mm. yeah i i do i think that drawing on screen does look interesting but i actually quite like not having my hand covering any part of the picture i quite like the way you can see the whole picture at once as you're working on it so yeah, it, it makes so sense I, I kind of like the whack on tablet yeah, I've seen those tablets at work, and I suppose it's 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 quite the replica, really, of having any kind of medium on any kind of canvas mm. paper or. Uh, but but digitally, it's um it's actually really really interesting. Yeah, they're they're brilliant, there. and there are yeah. so many uh, brushes now as well that um, you can create effects that do actually look like traditional media, but they're still created digitally. So I'm um, I'm kind of it's a bit of a game changer in a way of these new brushes coming out, so you can make something that looks like it's um ink that's that's smudging or 
or, or running with water on the page, but it's actually still digital. Um, mm, yeah. So that's really exciting. It's, it's, I guess it's a really, um, it can be a blessing and a curse or it envisages an artist that all the plethora of mm. new technology that comes along and whether you choose to keep trying new things or just sticking with the methods that you've used for a long time and, well, and that's right. You know, I work mean, for you. Yeah. I, I think the important thing is to kind of not be led by the technology, but just I, I prefer to kind of use these things as tools to express my ideas. So I mm. kind of like to have a, a vision of what I'm trying to achieve and not just use the latest um, thing just, you know, purely because it's new or it's in a way these things are someone else's creation so i think unless you have a strong vision they can be a little bit dominating and um it, it can you can i expect people can perhaps go off on a bit of a tangent just trying all these new dif, you know new techniques yeah. when yeah, not really the fundamentals are having strong ideas and using your imagination and you know a lot of things which haven't changed well and you, and you certainly do that you know i I see that, you know, it's about uh, being expressive and, and I see that, you know, when you, uh, you know, Instagram's a great place for any artist to display, you know, snippets of their work nowadays or even whole pieces some people display on there. Um, mm. And But I, know, I notice that you're always, you're always quite descriptive about the piece and, um, and how you came to create it. And um, actually one piece that really sticks in my mind yeah. is a, a beautiful one that you – had produced of um, a lady in a Porsche with a green leafy background behind her, and oh you, yes, you could yeah. The window was kind of up to her eyes, just just above her nose, and and you you know you put the description that it was in the time I think it was when um, uh, the pandemic had first come around, and and you it, you really thought about how the mask had kind of covered uh, covering the mouth right. so long, we're all draw more drawn more to the eyes, um, and I think it's it's really nice to get that description from the artist. Oh, okay, Jake. What yeah, that's is. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's nice for me to look at a piece, and even if you're wandering around an art gallery, and that's kind of typically how it goes, isn't it, when you think you, you're wandering around, you look at a piece, you have a good look at it, and you kind of get your own conceptions in your own mind, and then you might get a little bit closer and read, you know, who it's by and, and their short description of it, or, you know, sometimes yes. they don't even leave one, it's just up to you to to figure it out but i noticed from your stuff you see you know i look at it and i'm like oh i wonder what the, the inspiration for that was from where it came from what's it what it's about and sometimes right. it can be really interesting because it's completely different to to what to what you've written or what, ah, what yes. you think and it's it's uh yeah, it's really interesting the kind of the contrast between the vision and and what you perceive it as as to yes what it, what kind of vision it was created under it to Really right. Nice yeah, thing. that's really interesting. Um, mm. You know, maybe that's something I should should kind of bring out more on um, on Instagram if people find the stories or the connections behind you know my artwork. If they find that interesting, I should uh, I should definitely mm. do that more. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's, it, it's often about connections. I think sometimes I I you know have an idea or, or make a picture, but the actual um, elements of it might relate to something quite different um, and sometimes it's actually it's actually come from somewhere in my subconscious it might be something I've seen in a film um, for example but it's only when the picture's kind of finished that I can see where 
you know some of the themes or some of the ideas have actually come from um so mm. it can happen sort of unconsciously or it can be quite an intentional thing sometimes i might see a photograph and think oh wow you know i know that would really translate into something i could do or a picture i can create kind of taking that idea but translating it into my style um yeah so so that happens as well i mean i think the porsche one that you mentioned i did actually see a photograph which did kind of trigger that idea but then mm. what i like to do is just you know really make it my own so the 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 connection is kind of lost to the original the, the original photo or film or piece of music or whatever the starting point is but mm. um yeah yeah but i Absolutely. i think yes no sorry go ahead yeah i i was going to say i mean all i feel like all the arts are actually quite connected together so there's a definite link between architecture fashion film music uh and i think where when those boundaries are sort of blurred it's um often when interesting things happen at that sort of intersection of different artistic disciplines so Mm. I, I think it's great to get inspiration from all sorts of different sources. I completely agree. And it's yeah. very interesting what you said there that, you know, you'll, you'll see something might get sparked in the subconscious and you start creating a piece. And it really made me think of a saying that I hear a lot and, and it can be adorned to a lot of different areas of life, but they, mm. they say you can't see the picture while you're in the frame. And it's mm. kind of interesting, you know, you've got this image from your subconscious and you said they, it's often not until the piece is finished that you, might figure out where the inspiration came from and it, and it could have been something at a, a much earlier time. Yeah, that's right. There might be, be just sort of, I might have a general idea, but there might be, might be one particular element or sometimes it's, I, I have an, you know, like recently I drew um, a woman on, on horseback with a sort of striped dress uh, kind of billowing away from her. And mm. um, I knew in my mind that it related to a, a a, a painting I've seen um, of a, a sort of a, a tr uh, it's actually a man lying down in the desert as if he's being eaten by a tiger. It's quite a famous, I think it's a Victorian painting where he has a sort of striped um, garment he's wearing. So as I was drawing the woman on the horse, I was actually thinking about this particular painting, but I didn't want to revisit the painting and look at it while I was working on this picture. So once I'd finished it, I then looked back at the painting and it's quite interesting. It was quite interesting seeing sort of visual similarities between what I'd created and my memory of this particular painting. Um, so, so things like that happen. I think the brain is quite mysterious the way it makes these um, interesting connections. Yes, it is. Absolutely. And connections, as you mentioned earlier, are, are a big part of it across all the different art disciplines, whether it's yeah, that's right, film, music, you know, illustration, um, all all the disciplines really, interior design, architecture, and you must have really seen, you know, you think you you were, um, you know, you were kind of started out, kind of cutting your teeth in the industry in the it would have been the late seventies, early eighties. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, oh, then, for, for me, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean. It was really when I was sort of, I think I was probably about 12, 13, when I mm -hmm. actually started doing a few kind of little freelance commissions. Um, but then it, there was a, 
it wasn't really until I suppose my late teens, early twenties that any kind of career as you would recognize it um, kind of emerged or began to happen. But did um, you ever, have you ever had any other job apart from, or been involved in any other kind of work apart from art? Yes. I mean, I've sort of, um, I had lots of teenage kind of Saturday jobs, you know, working in Habitat and, um, I was really, really into obsessed with windsurfing. So every summer I would work at a windsurfing school in Brighton where I was brought up. Um, and that, that was, you know, really, really exciting. And I, and I loved, loved working at this windsurfing school. Um, Mm. and then apart from that, it was, yeah, really just kind of working in, in fashion shops and that, that kind of thing. Um, mm. I probably remember some of the other jobs after I finished our call, but yeah, I've done a, a, you know, <laughs> quite a few different things. Well, you know, working yeah. in restaurants and things like that. So yeah, yeah, all, all the good. things that people do as a exactly. Teenager. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, totally. But what I was kind of trying to uncover there was, you know, you started out in your in your teens, and and you know, you've seen a lot of different changes probably in the in the time that you've been an artist and. Particularly yeah. in in the past few years, with with uh, oh, this past really decade, decade and a half of social media, and and you know it's interesting because now artists have a you know a very uh, you would say quick to market or quick to audience, I suppose is is the word way of just displaying their art and getting it out with a lot of eyes in front of it um, mm. and getting feedback at scale on that. Where you think to perhaps twenty thirty years ago. Really, it was it was a gallery, or or it was street, some art on the street, you know, street art, or um, you know, it wasn't just you couldn't just produce a piece, particularly digitally, and put it out mm. on platforms and have hundreds or thousands of pairs of eyes on it straight away. And you know, that kind of really nicely segues as to what's happening now with NFTs, non fungible tokens, and and your first collection, mm. um, the, the red collection, which will get on to in a second but i think i'll just give a, a little bit of a, a background and a, a painted picture uh so to say of, okay, of what thanks, nfts Jay. yeah of what nfts are because i know it is still quite a new thing for a lot of people some people do understand it some people don't i have quite um a knowledgeable background in it and and that's mm. actually how me, me and you became connected jason but that's a, that's right. a whole other a whole other story for another time but nfts guys are non-fungible tokens and they essentially mean um they're digital assets created on the blockchain and they're held on the blockchain and can be bought and sold on the blockchain the blockchain is a a new digital um system that's highly secure and almost unpenetrable and everything that's bought and sold on there is created with a digital contract that can be seen by anyone it's all quite open and the history of everything is quite open and the currency with which you buy and sell uh, NFTs is typically Ethereum, not always, but it is the adopted currency these days. So I hope you're all keeping up with me. We've got these things called NFTs, which are digital assets. They don't always have to be, but a lot of them are digital pieces of art. Um, and then, of course, a lot of people attach things on the back end of them, You know, i.e. you buy someone's NFT and you get exclusive um rights to the next one before it gets released or you might get access to their latest music if they're music artists you might get access to their film set if they're uh, an actor or or working film um or they might actually some people are helping letting other people influence their future 
art collections by buying their previous pieces. So it's not just the the asset that you buy on the front end, might be a, a piece of art, a piece of music, or it can even be physical things, actually. Um, it's really what you're getting attached to it on the back end, and it's, it's the exclusivity of their often one-off pieces, like Jason's is. It's, uh, there was 100, 100 different pieces, and they're all one-offs. But yeah, it should be 100, do... 150, I think. But, uh, oh, it's yes. 150. Okay. Yes, it's gone I'm, up. I'm <laughs> no, it's gone up. <laughs> once, you, once, you, once you pop, you can't stop, as it, sir? Um, yes, but, uh, but yeah. each one is unique. You're right. They're, unique. They're, that's what I was going to get onto. That's, yeah, that's because, right. because what, what you do see with a lot of NFTs, and, and there's nothing wrong with this, of course, art is all you know what people want to create, and it's all subjective to each person. But you do see a lot of collections where it's essentially the same image with a, a very slight variation, be it the, the colour of the background, the colour of the hair, the eyes, the cap, or, you know, the, the, the attributes are quite endless. But the red collection, and I can't wait to talk about how I inspired you to, to, to get that going and, and the look of it, but mm. they're all completely unique, you know, hand-drawn pieces by yourself. That's um, right. And they all have it, – it's actually really – um it's it's i would say it's coincidence i don't believe in coincidence i think everything happens for a, for a, a reason and it's quite mm. um quite interesting how um red the red collection and the, the color of the hunger for the hustle podcast the theme is red and red is one of my favorite colors and always has been it's a very evoking color red is mm. um it, it kind of you know it, it can be double double-edged sorted you know it evokes uh, thoughts of stopping uh, and sometimes anger or frustration but then on the other side it's love and romance and all the, the good things that come with that so what really I hope that's given everyone who's listening a bit of a bigger picture of, of what NFTs are and and of course if you don't think my description has been good enough Google is always your best friend so <laughs> <laughs> but I'd love to know Jason what inspired you to even to firstly come out with an NFT collection, actually. Yes. Um, well, I, I think the fact that I've been creating digital art for such a long time, um, and it's taken up such a, a huge part of my life, really. Um, you know, when I, when I realized that there was a way of actually selling digital art pieces um, in an equivalent way to selling, say, a painting, um, that immediately got my attention and um at this, at this stage i don't know exactly what to expect i'm i'm really dipping into a completely new new world and a new area of technology which is really really interesting but um it's something that seems to have kind of gained an incredible momentum all of its own um and i feel like i would be crazy to ignore it and also, in a way, I feel sort of like I've I've earned my place um, in in the, that particular world. Really, having created digital artwork for so long, so um, and been so kind of passionate about it and obsessed with it, and very much uh, championed it over the years as a as a medium. Um, mm. So this particular collection. Um, I mean, I chose red because of some of the reasons that you mentioned. Um, it's sort of the colour of, of passion and emotion, and it's a particularly eye-catching colour, um, and it's sort of it's good luck in um, in Ch Chinese culture and Japanese culture and that kind of thing. Um, and it's also a recurrent uh, colour 
in much of my work. So I, I was quite interested in just starting off with with red as as a particular color, which which represents a real aspect, I think, of my personality, and and it's something which often features in my artwork. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. I didn't know actually. It makes sense when you think about it. It's the color of luck. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also, there's um, a, it's actually within the art world when you have several pictures which on the face of it are quite similar so say when Damien Hirst pictures come up at auction quite often it's the one with it's the red one which will actually sell more than the blue or the yellow version for some reason mm. pictures which have a bit of red in them um sort of are perceived as having a slightly higher value which is quite it's one of those kind of strange quirks of it's, you know, it's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It kind of dials into the psyche, I think, because... I think it does. You, you, you can't ignore red. You know, it's the colour that you don't ignore. If you're driving along, you see a red light, you stop. If you see a red light, it's usually a red sign, excuse me. It's it's usually quite an important one. It's a mandatory sign. It's something you mm. need to adhere to. And um, and I think, yeah, it certainly evokes... You know, when you, when you dive deeper than that, I've even just thought it's it's the colour of everything that runs through our veins. You know, it's really... Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, very it's actually, it's actually within us yeah, all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, for anyone that's, you know, listening now, you can look up Jason Brooks on Instagram and you'll see teasers of the Red Collection, uh, which comes that's out right. this Saturday on OpenSea. Yes, uh, 29th of January, 2022. Um, it's coming out on OpenSea, um, and the launch time will be 10 a.m. in America and 3 o'clock GMT in, in the UK. So, yeah, this Saturday, 29th. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's obviously, yeah, it's ex really exciting. And I'm actually really, really, you know, proud of the images I've created. And um, I think it's one of my favorite projects already really the one the, the most the things i'm most proud of that i've done so far so i think that's it's fantastic. yeah so I've, I've really loved it that's really nice to hear and, and you know we we've been talking uh me you and uh, another friend of mine nathan who's been in the space for quite some time and uh, yeah. i'm back in the uk at the moment and you're in the uk i'm sure we're gonna meet up while i'm here at some point but yeah. the we've been talking back and forth for a while quite a few months and um mm. you know you know, you can't you can't rush a good thing, and I know um, collections yes. take as long as long as they take. And uh, I know I've been <laughs> I've been quite eager to yeah. ask, when's it when's it coming when's it coming and and of course the answer is whenever it's ready is when it's coming. Yeah, that's I right. I mean, you know, obviously Christmas got in the way a little bit, mm. Um, mm. but uh, yeah, it's going to be. And really, once it's once this first red collection is out there. Um, I've got, you know, lots of ideas for follow-up collections um, and this should be the first of many. You know, that's definitely the plan. I've got a, a really great collaborator that I'm working with, uh, James Klein, who's dealing with all the technical aspects and the technology. So, yeah, and he's also and very good on the kind of design side as well, you know, graphic design and websites and things. So it's brilliant yeah. when you can collaborate with, fantastic people i think that really really helps it is i agree and i mm. think it's um it's people that help you on the way and don't get in the way and people that have the share that same vision as you as you yeah uh, definitely. Where, you're, where you're going yeah uh, and yeah, i'm really, really you know really grateful to you and nathan for your support and your 
you know the advice you've given me along the way with this project as well so yeah thank you absolutely no thank you it's an absolute pleasure it's great to be having you on the show as i said um and i do mean this i've been a fan of your work for a long time and and i was thinking you know as this space popped up i thought because the, the thing about um nfts is it makes sense to add something to your collection and mm. everyone can see your collection you know it's, it's not like um the art gallery has become a public thing now for everyone it's not like a closed room in your right in your hat in your house or or your or your commercial building in your office everyone can see your collection of nfts so everyone it's an expression therefore i think of of who you mm. are and for me it makes sense to add pieces to your collection that you from artists that you already want to support of work that you already love of something that means something to you and that 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 time when I first started seeing those CDs, oh, still, that's really still got the cases. Yeah, still got the cases, still got the covers. It's it was really a, a kind of a really pivotal time in my life where I started going out and started going to nightclubs and later became involved in events and um Fantastic, and parties yeah. all around the world. So it made sense to me to contact you and see if you were I, I had a feeling as as you being in the digital art space for so long and being a real pioneer of it, being a, a master of it, in fact, that you had to be creating oh, something. And, and and of course you were. And, and now here we are today with the collection just a couple of days away imminently. And I'm yes, really excited right. to see it come together. Yeah. Oh, thank really you, Jake. No, that, that's really, really nice of you to say that. And um, right. that that's lovely feedback. Thank you. Honestly, it all comes from the heart. It really does. Oh, we are recording... We are recording this at um, on Thursday afternoon, the 27th. It will be immediately live on all podcast platforms on uh, this afternoon in just a couple of hours. All the notes will be in, uh, the show notes will be in on how you can get to Jason's collection. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a wrap, Jason. It's been a yeah, pleasure that, to spend some great. time with you. Uh, and just to say, for people who aren't actually um, collecting NFTs, we will be releasing some of them as glossy prints um, during February. That's the plan. Um, so there, there will be some signed prints of, of the designs as well for people who aren't into the NFT world. Um, uh, will they be available via your website? Yes, that's right. So they'll yep. be at um, www.jasonbrooks.com, jason-brooks.com. Um, and you can also follow my work on instagram at jason brooks art um that that's where i kind of keep keep people in touch with what i'm doing so yeah fantastic Thank thanks thanks jason it's been a pleasure to have you on the show uh, yeah, really it's been an absolute pleasure jake thank you so much my pleasure honestly and thank you to all you guys listening wherever you're listening around the world i appreciate you all and i hope you've enjoyed the show whatever you wherever you are wherever you're up to stay hungry stay healthy, stay happy, and keep on hustling, folks. Thank you very much.